It's Kendrick Oakley here with Real Life Church, and this is our weekly podcast. Hey, enjoy this work. We're going to dive into this. So our focus this year is beyond Sunday, and what we're saying is we want to go from just going to church on Sunday to being the church beyond Sunday. A, a, A very important transition that we're doing, and really we want to break cultural and religious barriers and step into authentic Christianity. That word authentic means real from the very beginning, the very beginning of this journey, hence our name, Real Life Church. Uh, we've always just longed for authenticity, for we hunger for the authentic version of what Jesus died for. And, um, and so we're on the journey. We think in order to get there, we're going to have to break some barriers culturally and uh, religiously to get to this place. And, and when we're saying beyond Sunday, we're not just talking about a day of the week. We're talking about an entire Western culture of Christianity. That's what, this, is a, this is not a small mission. What we are doing is we're coming after an entire paradigm of what Americans see church to be. It's not about just a day. We're coming after a paradigm. And, and so we're going to press into this the entire year. Now, over the course of this message today um, and over the course of this this. Focus. We're going to hit on three major themes, and I'm going to give you that um, here in a moment. But after this month, we're going to go into February, and we're going to begin diving into the book of Acts. And we're going to do our best to say, okay, if we want the authentic, the authentic version of what Jesus died for, um, it makes sense to me to go back to the beginning. So we're going to go back to the beginning and look at what life looked like and try our best to say, what do we need to shift in order to live life like the body of Christ that you died for. So I'm excited about that. Now, um, our approach, particularly this month, is to teach way less and for us to be more practical. For Sunday mornings, one shift that we have to do is we, we can no longer make these days about knowledge and entertainment, dear America. Because that we're very much like the Greeks that Paul was dealing with in Corinth. That, that we've made this about entertainment. I want you to wow me. And I'm like, why doesn't the Lord do that even in your home Amen. on Saturday night? Amen. That, that's, that's the first problem. But we want something attractive. And then two, we come for more knowledge. But knowledge actually isn't transforming us. So we have to transition from making Sunday about entertainment and knowledge and making it more about empowerment and application. How can we come to be empowered to be who God has called us to be because your mission begins when you walk out of this room? A lot of us clock out of Christianity when we walk out of the room, but I need you to know you're almost, this is the break room. This is, this is the locker room moment, but we're getting ready to leave here, and that's when your faith begins. That's when Christianity begins, is when you leave here into your own sphere of society, and you begin to represent Jesus in those spheres and grow in him, and so we want to make that shift. And so I think one thing that, that I... I must do somewhat throughout this year. There'll be seasons where we teach a lot, but my purpose, particularly for January, is not to give you a lot of new information. In fact, I'm probably not going to tell you anything that you don't already know this month. But I promise you, I I am going to tell us some things that we're not already doing. And there's a difference. And so there's something about simplicity that's very needed in the body of Christ right now. 
we, we have these mission steps, and, and they're on the screen, which is to love God, grow with people, and lead others. Love God, grow with people, and lead others. If you can pull those up for them, that'd be great. And we see that as a journey. In other words, in order to fulfill our mission, we're walking through these phases. Loving God, but it doesn't stop there. We have to take the next step to begin to actually grow with people in community. And then lastly, we're called to lead others. We're called to actually represent Jesus, to be Jesus, to share the faith. If I gave you statistics of how many people have actually, how many Christians have actually shared Jesus with somebody else, we should all fall over in our seats right now and not do anything else but pray. For the state of the church because it's going to be very very sad to, to see him and not take anyone with you and, and, and he say look you had a great life and you met all of your goals but you missed the purpose of why I put you on earth it was to be me and to represent me and to share me with people and we want to empower you to do that this year but we have to go through this journey let me give you the three themes and focuses, and then we're going to, basically, we're going to focus on this all year, one each Sunday this month. Number one is we want to embody the kingdom. This is where we're missing it, America, is we're not actually embodying the kingdom. What we're talking about is actually loving God beyond Sunday. What we're talking about is personal devotion. If someone asks me, what is the main thing that is missing in the body of Christ? It's personal devotion. We show up, but we're not actually walking with him in our lives. The average Christian doesn't actually know him, and the average Christian doesn't actually love him. You can be here and not love him. And we want to talk about that. But we're, we're void of personal relationship with Jesus. Here's the next theme that we'll focus on this year is actually enjoying the kingdom. Um, I have made up in my mind I am not going to advance a kingdom that I do not enjoy myself. Christians are advancing the kingdom and are the most depressed people I've ever seen. And we're called. See, the enemy, is, is he's a counterfeit. He doesn't create anything. He's never created anything. He takes what God creates and he, he brings perversion to it. He perverts it. That's all he is. All alcohol is, all those things are, is a false Holy Spirit. But yet, they can't have more fun at a party in, than they do when they're coming into the kingdom of God. There has to be a shift because they're going to go back. Unless we reveal that this is actually where joy is. This is where we can actually, can I say this? Can I? We can have fun with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Something has to shift because we're trying to advance a kingdom that we don't enjoy ourselves. We're depressed and broken and upset serving Jesus, asking people to come in. I don't want to come in. No, I'm good. I'm going to stay, stay out here. You look, you look mad I'm all the time. Like, I'm just, you look mad every Monday. No, I don't want whatever you, you're drinking from. I don't want that well. Something has to shift. There, there needs to be comments at your job to say, why are you always happy? Oh, I'm glad you asked. There's this man named Jesus. We need, we need to give people a reason to ask us. 
They need to be able to notice that there's something different about you. There's a joy. There's a peace. But how can you have no peace, live in anxiety, and invite people to, to live with the Jesus that you know? Can I say this? You don't know him yet. There's no way. You're not walking with him. And as a result, there's no witness. If you're not spending time with him, you're not walking with him, you're not going to embody his joy, embody his peace. So now you're going to be a stressed out, angry, depressed Christian and somehow try to get people to follow. Are y'all are you with me? So let's take off the religion real quick. It's okay to have fun here. It's okay to be crazy because when I got saved, because I was crazy afterwards, and then I got saved and I was still crazy, and I'm like, well, this is, this is weird. And, and, and it took me a very long time to figure this thing out. And so what happens is we die with Jesus, and what happens is we bury our personality. And because we, well, a lot of times we associate those things with, with, well, I was doing that when I was partying. And so we associate it. We throw the baby out with the bathwater. And God's like, no, no, no. The devil was using it, but I want to redeem it. I want to use that personality. I want to use that. And then finally I got free from religion. It's like, wait a minute. I can be as crazy as I want to be and love Jesus at the same time. I can be myself. And the last one is to expand the kingdom. And I'm not even going to talk about that right now. So some of us are taking the first step in these areas. You might be here and, and you, you're taking the first step to actually love God beyond Sunday. Some of you are taking the first step. You've never really plugged in. You've never really opened your life up to anybody. You've never really had friends. You've never really been in community. And some of you this year will take the first step to grow with people beyond Sunday. And then many of us in the house will take the first step to actually share Jesus and be a representative and a witness. But no matter if you're taking your first step or not, all of us are taking deeper steps. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this theme this year because no one is exempt, even myself. There are steps, as we're saying, step beyond Sunday. There is a step for all of us to take this Sunday. Now, let me, as we go into this, we're going to focus on the first theme of that, which is to embody the kingdom and to love God beyond Sunday. Love God beyond Sunday. Let me say this, because I want you to see the call. Can't remember if, this, if I put this on the screen for you or not, but, but here it is. We're called to come near Okay, we're called to come near and commissioned to go out. We're called to come near and commissioned to go out. You can't not have one without the other. If you look at the life of Jesus, what did he do? When it was time for him to build the church, he found uh, 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 12 men and he called out to them and he said, hey, come near me, didn't he? Come near, come in, leave everything, put me first and follow me. And, and then over the next three years, what did they do? They just did life together. They ate together. They walked together. They traveled together. Day after day, they were in community. They were near him. The Bible says that he called them to, that's the call of the Lord. And that's, that comes first. Is, is we need to see that we as believers are the ones that are called to come near the Lord. He's saying, come be with me. Come walk with me. Come know my heart. Come journey with me. I want to be uh, uh, the picture of the disciples is how we are to live our life. When you're eating dinner, I want to be there. When you're in your home, I want to be there. I don't want you to do anything without me from this day forward. Yeah. 
And then what did he begin to do? He called them near, and then he what? Began to send them out. He began to send them out with the 70, and they begin to, to function in ministry. And then he dies, he resurrects from the dead, and then he's standing, and he gives them this great commission that says, all authority on earth and on heaven in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm with you to the ends of the earth. So we're called to come near, and we're commissioned to go out. Here, here, can I say this? The more you respond to the nearness is the further he can send you. She said, say it again. I don't know what I said. But come near, he sends you out. Something like that. Basically, come near, he's going to send you out. Amen. Amen. He's going to send you out. So, so let's talk about the most important thing. If you're, if you're taking notes, write that down. If you're in the Bible app, it says that. The most important thing. Write that down. The most important thing. Um, I, I know I say a lot of times, like, this is the most important message uh, you will ever hear. Uh, but this time I do want to say this is the most important thing you could ever hear. And the Bible actually backs me up this time. Okay? The Bible actually backs me up this time because Jesus tells us what the most important thing is. And the reason why he's able to say that this is the most important thing is, is because he says, if you fulfill this, you're going to be able to fulfill everything else. Like if you would focus on this and you would do this, everything else will fall in place. It's Matthew 22, and it's going to be on the screen, and I want to read this together slide by slide. It says, when, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. Now, if, if you would read this context, it's just this journey of them testing him. Sadducees would go and they would test him with questions and words. And, and Jesus was just, I mean, he was the great, why debate him? Come on now. I mean, he is just slaughtering everybody that tries to debate this man. And he just silenced one group of religious leaders. Because it was, interestingly, never, it was never Jesus versus sinners. It, it was always Jesus versus religion. That series is coming, anyways. When, he, when they heard that, that, that this religious group was silenced, the Pharisees were like, what? Okay, and they just riled up, and they said, okay. They, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, so they wanted to get the one that could debate, I guess. The, the, a lawyer asked him a question to what? To test him. So these are not genuine questions. All that they're doing, they're doing it for the purpose to test Jesus. And, and he says, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Which commandment in the law is the greatest? You just keep going slide to slide, and we're going to read this thing. He, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. Verse 38, let's stop there. This is what? The greatest and the first. This is the quality commandment. This is the highest priority. Okay, next slide. It says, and a second is like it. It's, it's, it's not the same, but it is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
It's hard to love your neighbor if you hate yourself. In other words, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, you will only love people to the degree that you are in living in the love of the Lord and you know who you are. Verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, because we think that there's this disconnect between the law and love, but what he, he's, he's doing something very specific here in that he's saying if you love God and you love your neighbor, you are fulfilling the law. He, he, he didn't say I'm doing away with the law. We think the law is just irrelevant. We, we, don't know how to, we don't know how to take the old covenant and, the, and, the, and these commandments and, and Jesus came in and he just, he just did away with that completely. No, 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 he didn't. That's not what he's saying. He, he's not saying those things don't matter. Just focus on this. He's saying if you focus on this, that is the law. He, he, that's, he's just articulating all of the laws are there so that we would love him with all of our heart and that we would love each other. That's what he's saying. He's saying, therefore, let me just summarize it, that all of the law and all the prophets are summarized in this. Love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, your strength, and love one another. He said, if you do this, you'll fulfill it all. Because the law is just laws in place to help us to do that. In other words, if you break the law of God, then you are failing either to love God somewhere or love people somewhere in all of this. Don't steal. Why? Love your neighbor. Don't lie. Don't all of these laws are in place. So, so if I break, this is what Jesus is saying. If, if you break the law anywhere, it, it, here, he's just wanting us to see, it's just a love issue. Somewhere you're not loving me or somewhere you're not loving people. And so, therefore, let me, just, let me just reveal this to you. Here's the greatest commandment. Love, and here's the reality of it. And I love that he says this is the first commandment. Both of them are very, very important, but he does give an order, doesn't he? He says, here's the first one. He says a second is close to it because if you put the second one above the first one, then you commit a greater sin called idolatry. Many of us are guilty in this room right now because two is higher than the one. You love someone more than him. I love my wife with everything. But I cannot love her more than God. It is in my loving of God that I'm able to love her. As a husband, if I don't really love God, it's going to be shown here first. It's going to, so I, I think the first law, what happens as we walk in that, it's expressed in the second one. This is why John says things like, how can you say you love a God whom you cannot see and you can't love people that you do see? He said it's impossible. To every spiritual truth, there's a natural outworking. And, and, and so he, he takes this spiritual thing and he puts it into the practice. I'm under, I'm under spiritual authority. Really? Where? Oh, to God. Oh, where is he? Are y'all with me today? 
He's on the throne. No, no one can see that you're under his authority until you come under authority with the body, that you submit to one another, that you actually hear people. You can take correction. What that means is that you're a man, a woman under authority. To every spiritual truth, there's a natural outworking. So what he's saying is if you would love me with all of your heart and mind and soul, what's going to happen is going to feel and it's going to be evident in every area of your life. This is why it's the most important commandment is just to grow in love with me. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's the question. How do we know if we are loving him? Can you write this down? It's the question. Do I love God? Do I love God? And I'm going to ask you this. You don't have to answer. I want you to think about it. Um, you wrote the question, do I love God? Now I'm going to ask you, how do you evaluate that? Because the religious answer is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I love God. I'm here. Right? How do we evaluate it? You have to know how to evaluate it. Because it, years will go by and you actually don't love him any more than you did 10 years ago. How do you know you do? Because please don't tell me an emotion because love is not an emotion. Come on, somebody. Love is not an emotion. Love is the standard of action. In other words, I act based upon this standard of love in my life. Because love is a standard, it dictates how I act. Love is not an emotion, it's a standard of action, so love can only be seen in how we act and how we respond. So, so we have to ask the question, do we love God? We have to ask, I just want you to ask yourself, this is not an open discussion right now, but you ask yourself, what, how do I evaluate? Now, I do believe the Bible gives us a few things, and if we can stay here all day, we can dive into all of them. I'm going to give you two things, two areas in which I believe that we can really evaluate, do I love God? Because the reality is many Christians feel churches and lift their hands, and they don't actually love him. Well, that's impossible. Hmm? Jesus said many. That's why I use many. I, I know like, y'all think I'm just harsh, but he used many. Many of you, not just a few, many of you. He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. Many of you will come to me on that day and say, did we not heal? Now, we would think if somebody's flowing in healing ministry, they must love God. They're healing the sick. They're raising the dead. They're performing miracles. They're prophesying. These are not new Christians. I've never seen that happen in new members class. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Yeah. It takes a while for people to begin to flow in gifts and prophesy. I mean, there, there's, there's Christians I know for years and they still are not activated in spiritual gifts. That, that takes a, They've had to walk through a 101 in a healing retreat a few times. They had to go through 201. They had to go through 301. Those things don't happen by accident. These are mature believers. They are growing somehow. They're growing in the gifts, and they're flowing in these things. And, and they say, did we not heal in your name? They're genuinely confused. That's what I look at that verse, and this is a genuine confusion. In other words, they had no clue they didn't know him. This is not a group that was trying to deceive people. This is not a group of false prophets who knew they were working for the devil in disguise for the Lord. This is not that group. This group is genuinely crying out and pleading and saying, wait a minute. We were there. We served you. We healed people. 
We've seen the dead raised. Like we were building the kingdom on earth. And he'll say, strange. Because I never knew you. Thank you for working for me. But you can't work your way into this kingdom. You served well. But we didn't know each other. You missed the purpose. Now, if they didn't know him, it's impossible to love him. You can love an idea of him. Oh, and that's where I think many of us are. We love an idea of God. Because it's a great idea. He's going to help me in my battles. Hallelujah. He's going to give me strength. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, you're going to love the idea. He's going to provide for you. We need it. Hallelujah. He's going to help you. He's going to walk with you in the valley and shadow of death and all that stuff. That's a great idea to love. But you can love the idea of him and never know him. I'm stepping on toes in this place. Do I really know him? Because I think one of the biggest things that can deceive you is religion itself. <laughs> There's people that are not here and never would come here. and not here. They know they don't love them. It's an easy answer. They are not deceived. <laughs> you step into this group and everybody's confused. We all think we do. We don't really know how to evaluate it. <laughs> but many... This is the most essential thing. And my heart breaks because I think we're missing it. In 2020, all I want to do is I want to fall more in love with Jesus. Yeah. Let, me, let me tell you, if you don't feel the urgency to love him more, you probably don't love him yet. Yeah. There's just no way you can know him and love him and something in you say, oh, my God, I need to know you more. I want to love you more. I want to encounter you more. If you don't feel that as you're going into this new year, if you're just complacent, it's just like going through the motions, let me tell you, that is not okay. Oh my. That's, not, that's not what we're called to be. And let me tell you that, you don't have to stay there. Yeah. Very good. We are called to grow. Can I just solve 99% of anything you would bring to me to counsel you in? Just love God. What about our marriage? Well, love him more than your focus on your issues. Just try it for a week. <laughs> just, just then come back to me. Just, 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 just make a commitment. To, just say, God, we're going to focus on you. We're going to love It's very hard to love God and fight each other at the same time. It's very hard to do. I'm not saying it don't happen because we got some moments in our history. <laughs> Shoot. We've got some moments in our history, boy, I'm telling you. Well, we, done, we made it through. We've been in some dark valleys. We, we were together in B.C. That was before Jesus. Shoot. That was before healing retreats and deliverance. I don't know how she made it. And guess what? After Jesus, we still have moments. 
But those moments have a different context. The context is now, oh, this sucks and very uncomfortable, but Christ is conforming us into his image. (laughs) All of that stuff doesn't go away, but the context is different. It's now for a higher glory. What the heck were we fighting about before? There was no purpose other than to be right. But now God is working things out in who we are. He's dealing with some of the issues and the selfishness. And the the person he uses the most other than the Holy Spirit is Elizabeth Oakley. Uses her all the time to deal with my stuff. Now... (laughs) If I don't love God, then I have a problem with her. But if I'm loving God, I see that God is using, that is the, that is the purpose of marriage. Welcome to premarital. We're not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to be very, very hard. But if you love God, he's going to use each other and all of your issues to make you look more like Jesus. If the purpose of your marriage is not to look more like Jesus, you failed marriage. This side did not like that. Let me say it over here. If the purpose of your marriage is not to look more like Jesus, you failed marriage. Can I tell you a secret? I got to hurry. Can I tell you a secret? Uh, uh, um, You're not going to be married in heaven. Yeah, till death do us part, honey. Okay? Um, (laughs) I don't got time. (laughs) The the purpose of your marriage is to reveal Jesus and the... I'm going to just be excited by myself. I don't... It's to reveal Christ in his church. When we get up there, he's going to be the groom. April, you don't need him no more. Thank God. Come on, somebody. (laughs) You don't need this brother no more up there. You're both going to be fully fulfilled and satisfied with the groom. Our marriages, this is not time for that. Anyways, love God. Love God. Here's my question. Are we actually leading people to love Jesus? Or just leading people to do religious things for Jesus. If you cannot tell by now, I don't really like religion. It was Jesus versus religion there, and I think it's Jesus versus religion now. Sinners are not stopping the kingdom of God from being advanced. In fact, they are the key. They are the target. The world, Hollywood, the devil, no, 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 the gates of hell shall not prevail. The, the only thing that's holding back the kingdom is actually religion. All right, on a practical level, what does this look like to love God? I'll give you two points. Number one is priority. It's very, very simple. Is God number one? Is he the highest priority in my life? Am I just coming to church and going through religious mode, or is he actually number one in my life? To every spiritual truth, there's a natural outworking. Oh, I love God more than anything. Okay, that should be reflected in your calendar. That should be reflected in your checkbook. In fact, it's the only way to verify that you love him. 
Are y'all with me? Minds are turning. I'm, I'm slowing down my pace because I just I, I want us to really get this. If I love my wife, it's going to be evident in practical things. You know, the more I grow in love with her, somehow it's crazy. The more I do dishes, <laughs> it's not all about extravagant vacations. It's about changing diapers. The husband's in not saying amen to that one. I just. <laughs> Wives, don't nudge them when I talk about this stuff. Don't do that. The, the more I love her, it's seen in the little practical things. If I love my wife, it should be seen in my calendar. I am the one as the husband that says we need a date night. That is not her responsibility. Why am I hitting on marriages so much? One thing I do feel, we are supposed to marry people in 2020. I feel that. I've been feeling it all year. For some of you, it's, it's, it's past due. It's time. Stop sleeping together. Stop living together. It's time to get in covenant. I can say that because it's Bible. It's not culturally, culturally relevant, but it's Bible. Let's get you married. Your life will change. Anyways. As I love my wife, it's seen in the practicals. If it's not seen in the practicals, then I actually haven't grown more in love with her as it is with God. If we love him, the more we do. I'm not saying we're there overnight. The more we love him, the more it's going to be seen in the practicals of my life. Do I love God? Let me tell you, right now, go home, check your calendar, and check your checkbook. Check your time. Is he first? priority in these areas does your calendar reflect a person who loves God more than anything does it reflect that you love your work more than him well yeah but I do love him though mm. things that are important to you you schedule them you don't just oh, I'm gonna just work whenever you don't do that you're going to end up broke. If you're in marriage, you don't just, no, no, no. If you want to grow in intimacy with people, don't you got to schedule it? Don't you got to say, let's get together? Okay, what time? Let's get together this time. If I want to grow more intimate in my marriage, then we're going to have to prioritize that. We're going to have to say, we're going to take time together because we have four sons, seven and under. Likewise with the Lord, there's no way you can grow to know him more and love him more if you don't have him a part of your calendar. It's impossible. I know you're thinking, oh my God, Pastor, let's get to the book of Revelation. Why? This is what matters. Why do you want to learn about the second coming when you haven't even appreciated his first coming? Stay here for a little while, Kendrick Oakley. Why? Because, because it's so easy just to say stuff and then we leave and nothing changes. What I'm telling you right now is like get to your calendar when you leave here and say, God, I want you to be seen in my life. If, I were to, if we were to swap calendars, would we be able to see this? I don't know the name of it, but this person loves Jesus because they have devotional time. They have a day away with the Lord to pray. They have it scheduled in. They have time with him. Can I tell you very honestly, if you do not 
set time aside with God. You will never know him. And if you never know him, you will never love him. You will forever be where you are in God unless, can I tell you, you coming here on Sundays is not growing you in the Lord. All I can do is encourage you to go and be with him. That's it. But if I see you again next week and, and, and your schedule didn't change, you actually didn't get more time with him and you come back next week, that's called stagnation and religion. And we're, we're missing the purpose of it. What is the purpose of today? It's to empower you to walk out this thing and it's to give you the practicals for you to build your relationship with Jesus and to grow more in love with him. Can someone look at my calendar and see that God is number one? That he's my first priority? Can God look at my checkbook? Because where my money is there, my heart will be also. Can someone look at my, my bank account not knowing who I am and say, man, this person loves Jesus? Or, or would they look at our checkbook and say they love themselves? Loving God, if you're taking notes, begins with time with God. Loving God begins with time with God. It's a marriage between us and Jesus. Here, here's number two. These are, these are ways that we can see where our love is with him in the practicals. Number two is this, it's obedience. It's obedience. Why? Because obedience reveals that I refuse to take anything and place it higher than his word, his will, his commandments. To disobey simply means I'm not loving him with all of my heart. That's all it means. I still fall short. And when I do, it's no longer, oh, I just want to be done with sin. No, that's not the focus. If we focus on the sin, some of us worship our sin. We don't even realize it. I remember in my struggle with sexual sin, there was a time where I'm like, all right, man, I'm about, to, ah, I'm about to get this thing. And the Lord said, but wait, you're spending more time trying not to do that than you do with me. It still has you. It is still your God. So not sinning is not on my 2020 <laughs> resolutions. Some of us, if we looked at our resolutions, it's, it's just bettering ourselves. It's nothing to do with Jesus. I don't want to do this anymore. Why? Because it makes you feel bad. Yes, sin has consequences. You don't like it. But that's not godly sorrow and the fear of the Lord. That's just you don't want to feel that way no more. So on the top of our resolutions, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to. That's called a sin consciousness. But, but Jesus broke that to give us righteousness conscience. In other words, he's saying, I want to invite you into the veil, into the holies of holies, into time with me. And this is what John says, that he is light and in him there is no darkness. We cannot say we walk with him and have fellowship with him while walking in darkness. And he goes on to say that in Jesus there's no sin. No one who's seen him or knows him continues in sin. It's not a threat, it's a promise. 
If we want to stop sin, all it means is I just need to be in him because you can't be in him, love him, and walk in him and sin at the same time. Don't make sin the focus of I don't want to do this anymore. Make him the focus. Say, so I want to just know him so much. That began to be my goal. I want to know Jesus so much that that is just so irrelevant. Like, I want to be in him so much. I want to be consumed by him and his presence and his love so much that I just don't even think about sin. It's just non-existent. But if I'm struggling, this week is my week. That is the flesh. Come on, somebody. I ain't going to cuss this week. <laughs> and I think the Holy Spirit is like, let me push this stool right out right there. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That's the Holy Spirit. It ain't the devil. Let me just, let me, just, let me slide this stool right here because you stub that toe. That's going to test it for real, though. <laughs> Boy, some, and I love, man, I, just, I wish I could just watch videos of people's reactions. People respond to that type of stuff so differently. You have, like, the silent pain people. It's like, that's what I do. I don't want to say nothing out of character. I just get. <sighs> That's what I do. Liz is not that. Now, she, she talked to me last week. She's like, I'm sick of you putting me on blast in your sermon, so I'm going to blast you. And I said, okay, we're going to make sure you don't get on the calendar in 2020. <laughs> she does not go silent. She get, like, the whole house is coming down when she, it is no joke. Boy, I tell you, she. And she, and she gets mad at everybody around her. It's crazy. She'll, oh, oh. I'm like, I didn't do it. Like, I'm confused right now. Anyways. <laughs> oh. So when she stubs her toe, the whole house runs away. We just get away. We just. But anyways, we just, we just try in our own strength. There ain't, I mean, you can't do it. I, I, here, can I tell you? This is what I've come to the conclusion with. I cannot beat sin myself. No matter how bad I want to, it's only going to come from falling in love with someone more powerful, more enjoyable, more fulfilling. You will continue to try to be filled until you get fulfilled. That's all sin is. But if I can get fulfilled in the Father, there will be no voids. This is a matter of falling more in love with Jesus. Can we close with two scriptures? Here's 1 John 2. It's on the screen. Jesus, 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 pull our hearts towards you. It's not on the screen. I did that on purpose um, for you to go there, but we don't have time for you to flip. So if you have a phone, you can go there. If not, I'm going to read it for you, and you can write it down. Here's what John says in 1 John. He says, my children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, and this is to you in the house right now as well, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not just for our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. Sometimes I like stepping into a restaurant and just, just soaking in the reality that his blood covers everybody in this room. His blood is enough for everybody in this room right now. And they just don't know it. And I'm enjoying my forgiveness. But he says it's not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. That blood, we don't want that blood to be in vain. His blood is enough to cover the sins of the entire world. If the entire world right now said, I want to be forgiven, I want to accept this, heaven would not be bankrupt with not enough blood to cover it. Can, can you see this with me just for a moment? Jesus, when, oh, I wasn't expecting this number when I died. I just, he wouldn't. 
His blood would cover every single person, no matter what they've done. What about the rapist? Yeah, it's going to cover that. What about the robbers? Yeah, it's going to cover that. What about the murderers? His blood covers that. His blood covers that. That's not harder for his blood to, to cover because the, John says that, that if you hate someone in your heart, you've committed murder in your heart. So in our process of judging someone else guilty, we ourselves are guilty. And he says, now by this we may be sure that we know him. Are you ready? Now by this we may be sure that we know him. Now by this we may be sure if we know him, if we obey his commandments. Wow. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments is a liar. And in such a person, the truth does not exist. But whoever obeys his word, truly in this person, the love of God has reached perfection. I've journeyed so long in his love, day by day, month by month, but eventually it perfects me and it's revealed in my obedience to him. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk just as he walked. Man, we have a glorious invitation into this. This is the way Jesus puts it in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, Attend 11 a.m. service. Oh, you do, you do know the Bible. Okay, I can't trick you. I can't trick you. <laughs> if you love me, keep my commandments. I love the translation to say, if you love me, you will keep my. It's, it's not a threat. It's a promise. When I used to see those things as threat, I'm like, oh, man, I'm disqualified. I suck at this. I can't. I must not love him. He's saying, no, 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 it's not a threat. It's an invitation. You're bound and you're stuck. But if you would focus on loving me, you'll fulfill it. You'll obey. Because that love will become a standard of action in your life. That no matter what temptation comes, you won't be able to do otherwise because of that love. Can I tell you, church, I want to see us grow madly in love with Jesus. That's it. Every believer, every person falling madly in love with Jesus. What a glorious day will be when people can come into real life church and people are on their face before the Lord. What a glorious day will be when we're so caught up in who he is that I don't even get a chance to get up here and talk. And you guys say, hey, hey, we don't, we don't need you to say anything today, Pastor. Can we just love Jesus? Can you just move out of the way so we can see him? We can just be with him? Can we just worship him and allow him to love on us? can't do it without this, guys. This is the only place he's revealed himself. You will only know your idea of God and you will only love your idea of God until you get in his word because his word is where he reveals himself to you. This is more than a book. It's living, literally. It's alive. I had somebody who's reading the Bible plan and said, I read James like four times and each time it's like I didn't read it. 
Each time I seen something different. Why? Because it's a breathing book. It changes every time because it is Jesus himself. When we read the Bible, we're not just reading, we're consuming who he is. We're eating of who he is. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We're, we're consuming who he is. What we're saying today is we want to love God beyond Sunday. There's people in the room right now who you come here and you leave here and there, you would not even know that you know him. That's okay. That's where you're at. Don't be ashamed. That's an awesome place.